If you have your Bible, will you please open it to the book of Colossians chapter 3. This is where we're going to be spending all our time this morning. There's a little word in Colossians chapter 3 verse 3 that carries more weight than we would think on just a quick reading. The word is hidden. It's actually worth underlining if you you do that in your Bible. The word hidden. The word has already been used twice in this brief letter from Paul to the church in Colossae. First, it was in chapter 1, verse 26. There, Paul spoke of the mystery that was hidden for ages and generations, but is now revealed to God's saints. Now, what's this hidden mystery that Paul is speaking of there? The mystery, we're told, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Then the word pops up again just a few verses later in chapter 2, verse 3. Here, Paul tells this young church about an internal battle that's going on within him. Because he so deeply desires that they would be encouraged in their faith, that they would be united together in love, and that they would reach a full, mature understanding of Christ. Here's how he describes Christ in this passage. Chapter 2, verse 3. Christ is the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So here, where we are in chapter 3, is the third time Paul has used this little word, hidden. Here he says in verse 3, you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What are we to make of this hiddenness? We have Christ as the hidden mystery first. Then we have Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then we also have our own lives that Paul says are are hidden in Christ. What does it mean to say specifically that Kent Williamson's life was hidden in Christ? I was also with Mr. Ken Hansen earlier this week. His earthly life is slowly disappearing What does it mean to say that Mr. Ken's life is hidden in Christ? What does it mean to say that your life, my life right now, they're hidden in Christ? Well, first, it means that you are meant for life. This is one thing that we can easily miss. The first thing it means is that you're meant to find it. God is holding out on any of us when it comes to us finding our life. You know, things hidden are usually meant to be found by someone. And this time, you're told exactly where it's hidden. And so, you're you're especially supposed to find it. You, You even know where to look. I was thinking this morning about the way that children play hide and seek. There are a few pictures of such blatant innocence in all of humanity. A child hides nearly in the wide open. And yet after they hide, they call aloud. Before you can even pretend to 
for them. I'm hiding, I'm hiding. (laughs) And then before you can look for them at all, they're jumping out as if they can jump out from behind something, nothing. They're yelling to you, here I am. (laughs) It's pure joy, it's pure innocence. But think about the way a child gets better at hiding as they get older. There's a sinister quality to this. They can now scare you. (laughs) But then there's another level to it. The older we get, the better we get at hiding our inner life too. The better we get at hiding from others as well as from ourselves. Now, at this point, I think we can start to make a connection with another place in Scripture that I think is the foundation for all of this business of Paul talking about hiddenness, things being hidden. Where else in Scripture do you have people hiding? The creation story. The story of Adam and Eve. The first humans made hiding into something sinister and dark. They didn't want to be found because they believed that being found would mean being exposed, living a life of eternal shame. (laughs) I feel like I'm supposed to dance at this point, but I'm not going to do it. That would be a moment of shame. You know, truthfully, we all do live like Adam and Eve to some degree. There are certain things that we hide, all of us, that we're fearful of what would happen if we were exposed to each other. But Jesus is the second and the true Adam. And so Jesus turns hiding on its head. This is why there's so much business here about things being hidden in Christ. Because when Jesus hides something, it's actually meant to be found. Jesus hides things so that we can discover them and enjoy them. He hides your life so that you can really find your life as it's meant to be. Verse 4 in Colossians 3 says this. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is another allusion to the story of Adam and Eve. You see, the word appear means to be revealed. It's the positive side of being exposed. You see, an expose is a revelation, but it's a negative revelation. You don't want an expose about you. But in the Bible, to be revealed is a positive thing. It's to be seen in the light of God and in the light of his mercy. Adam and Eve were afraid that their failure, if their failure was revealed, if God saw them, it would be like the front page tabloid expose, this life of eternal shame. But in Christ, the second Adam, our being revealed, it's far from an expose, a public shaming. Instead, when we appear with Christ, we're revealed in glory, which means we will be who we were created to be. That's what it means when humans appear with Christ in glory. We take on his glory with him. This is what the church father Irenaeus meant when he said that the glory of God is man, 
fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. When a human being discovers life in Christ, they begin to become fully alive. And when they meet Christ and behold him in his glory, they take on his glory and his fullness of life. So what does it mean that Kent Williamson's life was hidden in Christ? It means he was meant to find his life. And it means that he did find it. What does it mean that Mr. Ken Hansen's life is hidden in Christ? It means he's meant to find it and he will. And what does it mean that your life and my life, that they are hidden in Christ? It means that we're meant to find it. And if we seek it, we will. Now the end of that statement is the second part to this. So what does it mean that our lives are hidden with Christ? It means that we're meant to find our lives. But there's one more piece to this. Your life is hidden. You are meant to find it. But you must seek it to find it. Did you notice that? If you have been raised with Christ, Colossians 3, chapter 1, then you are to seek Christ where he is in the heavens. God has dignified human beings by creating us in this way. He gives us the desires of our hearts. But this can be terrible as easily as it can be wonderful, depending on the state of your desires. This works both ways. It cuts both ways. Seek and you shall find. There's a positive side to that. If you want good things, seek them. God will give them to you. But there's also a negative side. If you want things that aren't good, aren't good, God will dignify you as a human enough that if you seek them, he will let you find them. What we seek, he will usually let us find, even if that's not best for us. The only way to live your life and to find your life truly is in Christ. There's no other path that is suitable for finding your life. If then you've been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, there's something that we need to be clear about here. Paul is not calling Christians to a mental escapism from the world. There were those who did that in the early church, who chose to hate the world and everything in it. This do not touch, do not taste, do not see, all, all that business, this do-it-yourself religion. They went so far as saying that God could never have entered the world in the flesh because the flesh is simply too dirty for God. These people were deemed heretics to the true gospel of Jesus. That was not the nature of God. He entered the flesh to redeem the world. And so Paul isn't saying, uh, calling for a mental escapism. He's saying that Christians have been baptized into Jesus' death. They've been raised into the life of his resurrection. And so the orientation of our lives in the world is to be like that of Jesus in his resurrected body. 
In other words, we live in the world with a different orientation. We're not oriented by the world itself, but by heaven. There are innumerable ways in which Christians can become co-opted by the world and begin to seek it as primary. Heaven as secondary. One of the big ways we can do this is by turning really good things in our lives into idols, into gods. And in that case, we're still becoming oriented by the world rather than by heaven. But Christians instead are to continually pray the Lord's Prayer that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And to fully offer that prayer with everything that we are, we have to continually orient ourselves toward Christ and his reign in heaven. Where are we going with this? Well, death, especially in its suddenness, in its egregious theft of life. It has a way of simplifying, of boiling things down to their essentials. What is important, what is essential to our humanity, to us as a body, to you? On what are we going to bank and center our lives? There's one thing that is absolutely essential. And that's not to say that the rest of life isn't a gift, that it's unimportant. But there is one thing that gives meaning to everything else, that enhances the beauty of all others. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And apart from a relationship to Christ, the other gifts, the things that are meant to be gifts in life, are going to eventually bring disappointment and pain. Because they don't have the fortitude to be a God. You are meant to find your life. But to find it, you do have to seek it. And you're only going to discover it in Christ. Kent has found his life. Mr. Ken is going to find his. This, none of this makes death any less awful. It doesn't completely blunt the sharp and piercing pain of tragic loss. It does not. But it does establish hope. How will you seek Christ to find your life? How will you? If you don't follow Jesus as Lord, will you choose to do that? Will you repent and turn to Christ, believing that he is going to give you your life? If you are a Christian, it's the little things that add up in our relationship to Jesus. It's the little things. Will you stop letting small things become gods in your life? Letting anxieties and other obsessions and hobbies take up too much time in your mind and in your heart. Will you push reset where you've done this? That, that's all you have to do. Look, all you have to do is push reset and say, God, I've made other things, uh, gods, in place of you. And I want to stop. You can do this over and over again. You can push reset. Ask God to forgive you and to help you change. Don't be like Adam and Eve hiding away, afraid of the failure and what that's going to bring when God sees it. He, 
he sees it, right? Like, that's part of the joke in Genesis 3. They're hiding, but they can't hide. God knows. God wants to unveil us in his glory, not to do an expose on our lives. So instead of being fearful, turn to him and repent. Receive his mercy and begin to set goals to make quietness, prayer, scripture, and worship essentials to your life. The small things that nudge you closer to God. And get accountability. You know, one of the main parts of a pastor's job is spiritual direction, is to sit down with people and to help them think through what does it mean for me to begin to draw near to God. Now, you have friends who can be accountability to you in this, and that's wonderful, but come talk with me if you'd like to. I love to talk with you about this and pray with you about this. You have died. Will you receive this? You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him, will be unveiled with him in glory. You're meant to find your life. You were made to seek it in Christ. You and I and Kent were made to be revealed in glory with Christ. He has been. And we will be. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.